0: John chapter eleven is where we're going to start out. I'm going to ask you before we get started. Though, I want to kind of ask you a question, and um, I'm going to. I think you all are going to know the answer to this question, but it's going to. Uh, I want to do this to kind of help prove a point tonight. We're going to take a look at an individual tonight, and we're going to look at every word that he spoke in the Bible. Okay, I think I got all of them. I could have missed something if I did. Uh, y'all can help me out with it. Um, but. Um, we're going to be talking tonight about the disciple Thomas. Now, when you think of Thomas, what word comes to your mind? Doubting. Doubting Thomas. All right, that's what comes to your mind. So, all right, keep that in mind before we said anything about Thomas. I can see it in your faith, y'all knew it. Doubting is what you thought of. Now, let's see if that's appropriate. John, let's go to John chapter eleven. We're going to look at every word. That the Bible records that was spoken by Thomas. And let's see if he uh, earned that reputation or not. So, John chapter 11 and verse 15. Now, if you remember what, uh, just a little background, I'm not going to read the whole story. But remember, Lazarus died. Okay? Lazarus is dead. And uh, at this point, the Pharisees and the Jews, uh, they're going after Christ and they want his life, they want him dead. And Jesus knew it. And uh, it was only a little while later that they were successful in killing Him temporarily. But just keep that in mind. And then in verse 15 it says, And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto Him. Talking about going to Lazarus because He was wanting to raise Him from the dead. But look at what Thomas said in verse 16. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with Him. Alright? So those are one of the words of Thomas. He's kind of really being sarcastic there. Yeah, let's go to Judea, and we'll all die too. Okay? Uh, You think that kind of fits the whole doubting reputation? So I think that does. Now let's look at another passage. John chapter 14. We'll start reading in verse 1. Now Jesus has just told His disciples that you know somebody was going to be betray Him. He's going to be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Uh, some bad things are about to happen. And Jesus has warned them of some dark times coming up. And then in verse 1, He tells His disciples, "...let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in Me and My Father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself that where I am... "...there ye may be also." This is some pretty good news He's given right here, right? I mean, He gave some bad news before in chapter 13, but He's just given him some really good news. We sing songs like, I've got a mansion, and we only know that because of what Jesus said right here. I mean, we get pretty excited about this passage, and rightfully so. And then verse 4, it says, "...and whither I go ye know, and the way ye know." Thomas saith unto him, "...Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way?" So right here we've got Thomas. You know, he he's the one that speaks up. We don't know what's going on. Okay, you know, everybody else, I don't know if they if they knew or if they were afraid to say anything. But Thomas is the first one, I think basically responding and saying, Hey, we're still a little freaked out here, Lord. I mean you just told us some bad news. You told us, you know, where you're going, but we don't know what you're talking about, and then Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known the Father. Also, from henceforth ye know him and have seen him." So, right there, another statement from Thomas, where he's basically, "We don't know the way," and you know that's sad too, because for three years they've been following Jesus, for three years they've been listening to his messages, you know, the hearing him speak, singing the miracles. And they get some bad news, and he gets pretty spooked and we don't even know the way to happen <laughs> we don't know how to get we don't know how to get there, so I think that just kind of fits with the personality and and uh, what we say about Thomas and the reputation he has and then this is the most famous passage about Thomas. All the words of Thomas are in the book of John. none of the other gospels uh really uh give us any of his quotes or say any of his words, but this is after the resurrection and the disciples they all together on sunday they're all meet together for a church service uh, wasn't you know it wasn't much of a church service they showed up but um, they were all there really kind of scared thinking we're going to die next not really knowing what's going on you know they you know heard jesus had resurrected but you know there was just a lot of doubt and a lot of confusion in all their minds but they showed up for church and then in verse 14 uh, or, well, or no, twenty four. I am sorry, verse twenty four. And you, if you remember, um, before that, Thomas wasn't there. Thomas wasn't at church that day, and Jesus Christ showed up, and then it became a good service. It became exciting. They saw him. They told Thomas all about it. But then, in verse twenty four, but Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I see in his hand the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. And then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you, Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. That's the final words that we see in the Bible of Thomas. And then Jesus' famous statement, He says next, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. So right there, we see really just... Three passages where the words of Thomas are spoken. And yes, it makes perfect sense why we call him Doubting Thomas, doesn't it? Right there, I mean, all the words of Thomas in the Bible, every single one of them are negative words and they are words of doubt. And I think that's sad. And I want us to look at doubt because I, uh, I want us to see what doubt Will do to us in our lives because you know what? We all struggle with this sometimes. And I want us to, we're going to look and see exactly what doubt can do. Doubt can have, it can have some very negative effects. And uh, look at Matthew chapter 14 and verse 29. This is another famous story. But Matthew 14 verse 29 says, And he said, Come, talking to Peter. Remember Jesus walking on the water? And Peter wanted to come to him. Jesus said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? First thing I want you to see tonight is that doubt, it will cause your fears to come to pass. It will, it will bring about your worst fears. Notice how Peter, he's walking on the water, and why did he, when he saw all those things, why did he sink? Because he was afraid of sinking. He was afraid of drowning. He was afraid of dying, and had he not doubted, had he not feared, he would have been fine. He could have just walked in the water and enjoyed it. He could have had a good time. He could have been rejoicing. And you know what? I don't know this for sure, but if Peter, when he went walking out there, if he would have got all excited and just kept his eyes on Christ, you know what I think probably would have happened is the other disciples would have seen that and said, hey, I want to do it too. And I think we would have probably seen them all out there doing it. And, but he didn't, he looked and he feared drowning and he didn't drown, but he almost did, didn't he? He started to, he began to sink. Why did he sink? Because that's what he was afraid was going to happen. And the truth is many times I believe that we get ourselves in trouble simply because you know, doubting it will do that. We're constantly doubting. You know, the Lord's not going to provide. The Lord's not going to take care. I'm going to die. You know, I'm going to get sick. You know, everything's going to. I'm going to lose my job. Whatever. And that doubting, that attitude. I believe it will, it will bring it to pass. I mean, for us as Christians, and and once again, I'm not going to tell you, folks, that I never I never have any doubts. Okay, just because I'm up here preaching it, I'm preaching to myself too tonight. But think about it. With what we know about God. For us to doubt, it's doubt him. It's kind of a slap in the face, isn't it? You know, husbands, don't you love it when maybe you tell your wife or something that, you know, I think I'm going, I'm going to do this project around the house. You know, I've been talk, we've been talking about doing a project in our basement. And I'm planning on doing a lot of this work. And then your wife just gets that look, you know, like, I don't think you can. Uh, are you sure you want to do that? And we get insulted, don't we? You don't think I can do that? And you know, a lot of times, they end up being right with us. But you know what? The same way we feel has got to be how God feels. Lord, are You sure You can do that? Lord, are You sure You can furnish a table in the wilderness? Lord, are You sure that if I'm obedient to You and I take a step of faith, Lord, are You sure You're not just going to fail and let me die? (laughs) I, I... I mean, really, we're really insulting God, aren't we? And you know what? I don't. So God's not just going to let us die. But sometimes I think, you know what? Maybe God will let us sink a little bit. And that's what happened to Peter. He began to sink, and he said, "Lord, save me!" And Jesus stretched forth His hand, and He saved him. And you know what? They walked on the water back onto the boat. And sometimes I think Jesus has to just let us sink a little bit. So we'll get our focus back on him, and it's sad because here's the thing too: Peter walked on the water, didn't he? But yet, Peter has this reputation for not having a lot of faith, doesn't he? I mean, we look down on Peter for this, but yet he was the only one that tried. The rest of them didn't. Even, the rest of them didn't even bother trying. If anything, this probably should make Peter look like the better one, but it doesn't. Be, and the thing is, he did it though. Didn't he? he? Keep that in mind, because we're going to see, we're going to uh, get back to this plays into some a point later. But Peter still walked on the water, but yet, I imagine he got back in the boat kind of sheepishly. <laughs> you know, he got he walked back in the boat all wet because he did. He sang and he walked back in the boat after Jesus it says, "O ye of little faith, why you know, why did you doubt?" And so we've got to watch, because doubt, it will cause our fears to come to pass. And what we, and we're going to, we'll see too in some of these other passages, what we believe God will do is often what He does. And if you believe God's going to let you fail and God's going to let you fall and God's going to let you suffer, He just may let that happen. So we've got to be careful with that doubt, because doubt will cause your fears to come to pass. Also, doubt will rob you of answers to prayers. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 21 says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, Ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say to this mountain, "Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea," it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Now, boy, we could talk a lot about this here. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but just you notice how he says, "Whatsoever ye ask, believing, ye shall receive." You know, if you will pray and not doubt. You know, Jesus, He went and He had cursed that fig tree and it died. And they were obviously all amazed by that. I mean, you all would be pretty impressed if I went out there and I was like, you know that tree, uh, I don't like it, it's not very good, it's not doing its job. I curse it, we come back later and it's dead. that right? would be pretty, uh, pretty exciting. Jesus said you can do that if you will not doubt. Now here's the thing. The praying and believing is what works. And you know, sometimes we're very hypocritical. I think, and it really shows how little maybe we know about how bad we are as Christians. Because here is the thing: we all sing "Amazing Grace," don't we? We like to sing "Amazing Grace" that saved a wretch like me. Oh, we'll all get real pious and we'll talk about how you know. Oh, I know that I know one thing that I am a great sinner, but Jesus is a great Savior. And boy, we'll talk about how we know all the phrases and all the terminology to use. And yet, when it comes to the prayer of salvation, okay, what do we have to do to be saved? Well, it's believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you'll believe in your heart that Christ raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. When you pray believing, it will do the miracle of saving your soul. It will do the miracle of cleansing you from your sins. And you know, we're all excited about believing that. And we all don't have any trouble believing that, but yet when it comes to just a regular answer to prayer, maybe God providing for our needs or whatever, we struggle with that one, don't we? Why is it that we don't have a problem believing God can save us, but we struggle believing He can answer simple prayers? Is it because we don't think it was that hard to save us? Or have we just forgotten what God's done? What God did for you when He saved you? And I think that's probably it most of the time, just like the children of Israel. They quickly forgot about those great miracles that God did for them. And we need to constantly remind ourselves about the miracle that God did when He saved us because that alone ought to give us enough faith to believe He can do anything else. If you believe that He saved your soul, you ought to believe He can save your loved one's soul. And it ought to cause you to pray and ask. And those prayers ought to be answered. But unfortunately, many prayers that we do, we if we're just totally honest, we pray doubting. And we see that if you doubt, it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to do that. But if you'll pray believing, and I believe the same thing goes with salvation too. If somebody, you have to believe in your heart. The God raised them from the dead. The Bible says. If somebody, that's why we tell people prayer. You know, the prayer of salvation or the sinner's prayer. It's not magic words. I believe there's plenty of people that have said the sinner's prayer and didn't get saved. You know why? Because they didn't believe. And if they didn't believe, they didn't get it. I don't care what they said. You have to believe it in your heart. But doubt, it will rob you of answers to prayer. And when it comes to doubt, you're going to have to fight it to get victory. Look at James chapter 1. Go to James chapter 1. It's going to be a fight to keep doubt out of your life. It says, uh, we'll start with verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ of the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men deliberately, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. He says, when you ask, ask in faith, don't waver. Now let me ask you, the flesh, does the flesh sometimes struggle with the spiritual? It does, doesn't it? It's the flesh that causes us to doubt. But the Spirit, okay, that's the part we're supposed to be focused on. That's the part that's going to get the answers to prayer. That's the part that's going to get victory in our life. And notice in the next verse, in verse 8, it says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Many times the reason our prayers aren't getting answered is we are, we're letting the flesh get in the way. And the flesh is always gonna doubt. The flesh is always gonna struggle. The flesh is always gonna be panicking. But if we will be, if we'll focus on the Spirit, if we'll let the Spirit have victory in our life, then We'll be able to overcome that, but your flesh is always going to struggle with these things. There's always going to be a part of you somewhere that's going to say this will never happen, it can't work, but we've got to just understand what that is. That's the flesh, and we can't let that be, control us, we can't be that double minded man, because they're unstable in all ways. And it's the fight, fighting that flesh is a battle you're going to fight until the day you die. And uh, I've heard a lot of older preachers tell these stories, and I haven't. I'm not. I'm not uh, one of them yet, and so I've not been asked this yet. But I I can't remember which preacher it was. But he was an older preacher, and somebody came to him one time, a younger Christian, and just made the comment, "How man, I can't. You know, I would love to be like you, somebody that just doesn't have to struggle with sin anymore." (laughs) And they're like. Think, are you crazy I still have to struggle with that we all still have the flesh for as long as we're alive we're going to have the flesh that we're going to be dealing with but we've got to learn to overcome it and be spiritually minded people because if we try to have a little bit of both we're going to be that double minded man and the Bible says don't think you're going to receive anything of the Lord and so we've got we've got to get that unbelief out. that so I means we've got to crucify this flesh of ours. But also, doubt it will give you a bad spirit. 1 Timothy chapter two, in verse eight says, "I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and doubting." Notice that without wrath and doubting, I believe they go together because you know, doubt it will give you. It'll give you a bad spirit, you know. I mean, think about it. When if I'm up here and I'm praying, believing, okay, you know, if I'm up here and I'm praying, you know, Lord, we've been praying for this person to get saved, but Lord, we've been praying for ten years and it hasn't happened yet. What's going on? And I'm just having a bad attitude. I'm having doubt. Is that going to help you out very much? No, because, like we talked about in Sunday school this morning, you know, anger—that bad spirit—it's contagious, and your doubting spirit, it will spread to other people. The Bible. Says, that's why in Proverbs twenty-two twenty-four says, "Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul." When we pray, we're supposed to pray believing. We're supposed to pray with a good spirit. You know, it says lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Why? Because if we're doubting, it's going to cause the other person to doubt too. We need to, be, we need to have a prayer of faith. We need to have that, uh, that believing spirit and that believing attitude. And it will cause other people to have it. And if they have that believing spirit and attitude, then they're going to see answers to prayer. And you can just see how it can spread and uh, either way, good or bad, but, that when, but when you doubt, there is A really bad spirit. That person that believes that God's going to answer their prayers. They have a different spirit than the one who's not expecting God to answer their prayers. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to have that bad bad spirit. Because here's the thing. And this is what I really want us to see tonight. Because like I said, we started out looking at Thomas. We started out focusing... Uh, We looked at all of the words of Thomas. But here's the thing that doubt will do, and something I want you to understand, is that doubt will ruin your testimony. It'll ruin your testimony. Because let's look at a couple things. Let's go back and look at these words of Thomas, because I want to show you something in there. John chapter 11, verse 16. John chapter 11, verse 16. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with Him. Okay? Now, was Thomas having a good spirit there? Or was he having a doubting spirit? He was having a doubting spirit, wasn't he? But here's the question. Did Thomas go with Him? Yes, he did. Thomas was obedient and went. Do you remember the one uh, illustration that Jesus gave about the Son who was obedient to His Father and said, I will go, but He didn't go? And then there was the other one that said, I'm not going to go. But he repented and did go. And you know, the one that was better was the one who said he wasn't going to, but ended up doing it anyway. And Thomas, he notice, even though he said that, he still did what he was supposed to do, didn't he? But, he did it doubting. Notice also, in chapter 14, verse 5, When Thomas said, "Lord," verse five says, "Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way?" Notice Thomas said that, and we look at that, and you know, we think, "How could he not have known? What took him so long to figure out?" But here's the question: Did Thomas make it to the Father through Jesus Christ? Well, yes, he did. Thomas was in heaven. Thomas remained one of the 12 disciples. He was one of the 12 apostles. Thomas did make it to heaven, didn't he? But yet those words of doubt make him look bad. And then finally, in John chapter 20, John chapter 20, Thomas answered and said unto him, "My Lord and my God." So notice Thomas did believe, didn't he? Thomas believed Christ. Thomas, in every one of those situations, he did what he was supposed to do. He was obedient. Thomas went with Jesus to Judea. Thomas made it to heaven. Thomas believed after he saw Christ. Thomas did all those things, but he has the testimony and the reputation of being doubting today. You can talk to people who don't even go to church or they don't even know hardly anything about the Bible and they'll use phrases like Doubting Thomas. I mean, it's just a part of... I mean, our vocabulary, everybody knows what a Doubting Thomas is. If you're somebody who doubts, I mean, Doubting Thomas, Doubting Thomas... Always talking about Thomas. That's his reputation. That's his testimony of being a doubter, even though he did everything he was supposed to do. And let me ask you a question. How many times have have you doubted, but God answered your prayers anyway? It's many times. But what does that what does that doubting do? That doubting, I believe, causes us. To miss out on something that's very important. Because notice what Jesus said in verse 29. Then saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Okay? Now, think about Now, blessed blessed basically means happy. All right? Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Now, we struggle, I think, accepting that verse sometimes because we would really like to see Jesus, wouldn't we? I mean, boy, if we had an opportunity to just see it for real and not have to have faith, wouldn't that be nice? I mean, wouldn't it be nice if the Lord would just go ahead and just give us a little glimpse of heaven? Lord, give us a little peek into what's out there. Lord, give us some kind of proof. You know, Lord, let us, let us see something happen. Lord, you know, do some miracle. Show up in our service. You know, do something. We would love that, wouldn't we? But yet, we get none of that. We've never gotten a glimpse of heaven. We've never seen Jesus Christ in the flesh. I mean, as far as we know, we've, probably, we've maybe never seen an angel unless we were entertaining one unawares. We've not seen any of those things. It's probably, there's, we could all probably tell stories of maybe a miracle that we've seen, that we will, but, we, but we believe it was a miracle. But the truth is, you can't ever prove a miracle, can you? We don't know for sure. We don't have anything concrete that we can show people. Really, all we have is faith. But notice, Jesus said, blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. You see, here's I believe this is why Jesus said this. Because one of the greatest joys that one can experience is seeing their faith fulfilled. The more difficult the trial and circumstance, the more exciting it will be when you see that your faith was not in vain, I mean, think about this, I mean just try to imagine for a minute what it's going to be like when it's no longer about faith anymore. Just imagine what it's going to be like when you see Christ, when you stand before the throne, and just I mean just imagine could be you know to be standing there before the throne. And to hear him say, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant," and now think about seeing all that after maybe you suffered persecution. I mean, think about it. If you know, I mean, how much better it will be if maybe you know, everybody. Like I said, I, "Now, I, you know, it's sad and it hurts when you see people go the wrong way, when you see them, you know, leave the faith." But just think about how you know how hard it is. When you're trying to stay right and do the right thing, when it seems like nobody else is, but really, I think that's going to make it all the more exciting when our faith is finally fulfilled and when it finally comes to pass. Because here's the thing, Thomas, when he saw when he saw Christ, yes, he finally believed. But think, but you know, he had to have felt bad after that. Why did I doubt? I mean, Jesus, in a nice way, kind of rebuked him there. You know, he, unfortunately, I believe he missed a huge blessing after it happened. He had to feel ashamed. You know, why did I doubt? Why didn't I believe? You know, why didn't we, you know, Jesus told us he was going to die and three days later he was going to rise from the dead. Why wasn't I there at the tomb when he rose from the dead? I should have been there. I should have known. And he wasn't able to enjoy it like somebody who kept the faith and they kept on believing even when it was tough. I mean, just imagine what it would have felt like. I imagine if he'd have been camping out by the tomb those three days, people probably would have made fun of him. They probably would have laughed at him. They'd have told him he was crazy. And you know what? That wouldn't have felt good. But just think, because of all that persecution, just how much more exciting it would have been when it finally came to pass. Because he had faith. Because he believed, maybe when no one else did. And that's why it's so important that we just be obedient to Christ, that we be obedient to the Word of God. You know, there are so many things that we see in the Scriptures that it's like, you know what? Churches are abandoning these things left and right, churches are getting off doctrinally. You know, people are dropping their standards of convictions, they're changing, you know, they're messing with doctrine. And a lot of times it's real easy to start feeling all alone. And to think, man, you know, just I'm alone in this thing. But I believe if we keep the faith, if we just keep on doing right, when that day comes when we finally stand before Christ, when it comes to the Bible, I believe everybody, when they see Christ, is going to believe the same. I believe there's people out there that are saved but maybe don't believe in eternal security. But you know what? When they see Christ. They're going to believe in eternal security. There's people out there that don't believe that you know, the King James is the inspired, infallible word of God, but yet they're still saved. But you know what when they stand before Christ? They'll believe that. Hey, there's people out there that maybe uh, that you know they, they're off on whatever the doctrine is, but you know what? When they stand before God, they're gonna we're all gonna believe the same thing. There's people that have got it wrong in the end times. But you know what when they stand before Christ? They're all going to agree. They're all they're, One of these days, when it comes down to it, when we experience it, when it happens, we're all going to believe the same thing. But just think how much more exciting it's going to be for those who, at the toughest point, when they were they, under the most persecution, just kept on trusting and kept on believing. It's, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be exciting and we don't want to miss out on that. I believe we will be happy. We're going to enjoy it. Why? Because we were ready for it. We were waiting for it. We, be- we believed it and it's going to make it that much more exciting when it all finally happens. Because t- there's been times when I've seen God answer prayers and it was prayers that I doubted. There's, maybe it was something that I had been worrying about. Something I had been stressed out about. Something I had lost sleep over. And then it came to pass, and then instead of being happy, I was convicted. And then I had to think, all that stress I went through, all that lack of sleep, all that doubting and disobedience, and if I would have just believed that whole time and not had the doubt, well, I'd have had a better week or a month or a year. And the truth is, we're all going to eventually, you know. Most of the time, so I, you know, maybe not most of the time, but I believe a lot of the times when it comes to the things we're supposed to do, we're you know, we're going to do what we're supposed to do. Thomas did all the things that he was supposed to do. Hey, if you're saved today, you're going to go to heaven. Now, you might go through some times where you have doubt, but and if you do, if you doubt that you're going to heaven, you're not going to be enjoying your Christianity as much, are you? because really doubt it's all just a waste of time isn't it and that, and uh then that believing is something we've got to hang on to it because uh and we got that doubt it just it does it will cause our fears to come to pass it'll rob us of answers of prayers it'll give us a bad spirit it will ruin our testimony but if you're saved today You might start doubting, and you might get out of church, and get out of the will of God, get yourself in all kinds of trouble, but you know what? If you're saved, you're still going to go to heaven. And then, you're going to, but it's not going to be as exciting as that person who stayed faithful and kept believing the whole time. You're still going to get there. Thomas went with Jesus to Judea. Thomas. He, he was there, he, he believed that Jesus rose after he saw him. Thomas made it to heaven, but look at the testimony that Thomas had. And I don't know about you, the Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. I want to have a good name. I want to have a good testimony. And you know what? I'm go- I'm, I believe I'm going to heaven. So you know, in the meantime, I might as well act like that. I believe, you know, I believe in prayer. I believe the Bible. So in the meantime, I need to act like that. And I need to just keep on being faithful and getting rid of the doubt. Otherwise, I can, I can lose my testimony. I can lose my testimony and still go to heaven, but it won't be as exciting when I get there. I want to hear Jesus Christ Say, well done now, good and faithful servant. And I'm I'm telling you right now, the lonelier it gets on here, down here on earth, the more exciting it's going to be when we get to heaven. It's like, you know, maybe when you were in school, the teacher asked that question. And isn't it exciting when they ask a question and you're the only one that raises your hand? Hey, you know, When everybody raises their hand and you get lucky and get called on, you know, who cares? Everybody knew the answer. But when you're the only one, boy, that feels pretty good, doesn't it? Hey, I was, I was the only one that knew this. Well, I'm glad I actually studied. I'm glad I actually paid attention. And you know what? We might be very lonely when it comes to certain things. But what's important is, is it right? Is it what the Bible says? Who cares what the rest of the crowd says? Because if we'll just stay faithful to it, if we'll keep on believing, we'll keep on doing right, get rid of the doubt, when it comes to pass and when it's fulfilled, guess who's going to be the happiest people? Guess who's going to be the most blessed people? It's going to be those who didn't have the doubt. And, then, and you know, that kid who maybe answers that question in the class, maybe before a test or something, you know, after you answer that, answer that question... Everybody knows it now, doesn't it? Everybody in the room, they now know the answer to that question. But boy, they're not as happy now that they know that question as you are cuz they didn't they didn't know it before. They weren't prepared. They weren't ready. And there's a lot there's a lot of things I believe that's coming down the road that I'm, a lot of people they don't know the answers to it. They don't know what to expect. They're wrong on what they think is going on. And I don't know, to me, I, I, I want to you know get the word you know I want I want to get the word out about what the truth is, but I believe it's gonna be more exciting when everybody figures it out when you're like, Hey we've been preaching that for years. <laughs> we we've know, we've known that was the truth for a long time. When it comes to Jesus Christ, the Bible says every knee shall bow. We read that verse this morning, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everybody is going to do that someday. The atheists are going to do that someday, and isn't it going to be? More... But you know what? When they do it, it's not going to be real exciting, is it? It because what's important is, all right, who's doing it while well, here on earth? Our president one day is going to bow the knee before Christ. All these people in the news media that run their mouths and put Christians down, try to make us look bad, they are going to figure it out one of these days. And you know what? They're, but when they figure it out, they're not going to be happy. They are going to say Jesus Christ is Lord one of these days. But it's going to be after the fact, like Thomas did. And I believe, but those who are doing it on earth, those who believe when they hadn't even seen Christ, those who, I mean, they believed the Bible to the point that they let it guide their lifestyle. It let, I mean, it got, it was a lamp to their feet, a light to their path. I mean, every they centered their lives around the Word of God on this dark earth that we live in, full of people that bash the Bible, that put it down, that mock us, but we did it anyway. When we stand before God. They are going, to, and when everybody stands before God, we're all going to be in total agreement. Then, but the happy ones are going to be those who believed before they had seen. And we're still there, folks. We have not seen Christ. When we tell people Jesus is the way to heaven, we're we're speaking on faith in God's word. We've not seen it. We tell we tell people that there's a hell. We're saying it just totally believe in this book. Not been there, not seen it. Have no proof other than the Word of God. And 100%, 100% of people are going to agree one of these days. But they're not going to be happy when they do. Because it will be too late. But for those who believe now on earth, before they've seen, they will be happy. And that doubt, that doubt that people have, that doubt in Christ, it will keep them from salvation. It will keep them from coming to Christ. And here's the thing. Eventually, they're going to believe. They will eventually bow the knee. But they're going to miss heaven. And so, in the meantime, we need to learn from Thomas. And not let doubt... to us. If you're saved today, hey, you don't have to worry about that. But you know what? Don't have the reputation of Thomas. Don't get to heaven, but have the reputation of somebody who didn't even know if he was going there. Don't don't let that steal your joy. Don't let it. I mean, you, know, you might pray and God might answer your prayers, but you're going to miss the joy and the anticipation of it because you're doubting. Doubt robs us of so many wonderful things. And let's learn from Thomas, and let's try to keep that part out of our life. And I believe God will bless you for it. So let's all stand together right now.